transition while everybody was greeting each other and we didn't get a chance to do that. So be sure to do that on your way out the door today. <laughs> Greet those around you on the way out. Uh, thanks again, the brand. That's so, uh, so important, so heavy on our hearts. And I hope that, I hope that, uh, I mean, just kind of an emotional, kind of emotional day, emotional Sunday here at A&C. So much going on in the world with North Korea and the stuff going on in Virginia, um, but we're glad you're here. Um, I remember, I remember back in th- things like this that actually drive people to church sometimes, you know. And so, if that's you today, we're just glad you're here. Um, I'm Trey Pruitt. I'm one of the pastors here at ANC, and today we're going to jump back into the Book of Galatians, uh, picking right up where uh, Jason left off last week. Which, by the way. Uh, if you want to listen to that, it's called To Know or Be Known by God, one of his best. So if you were here last week, you were blessed by that. If not, go check it out online um, and you can do that. But it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to, uh, it's all I can do around here just not to embarrass myself with all the great teaching with between him and Brandon and Jen. And so with that in mind, let's pray. How about that? So many of us has, have kids, Right. Uh, if you've got kids, you know this. When they're little, I don't know till what age, maybe four, five, six, something like that. You, the the what we try to do is we try to give instruction, and and hopefully we expect obedience. I mean, that's usually there's a, like a two to three eight year old time frame in there where that's not the case. But for the most part, that's our plan. And and our kids, my kids were rule followers uh, and and pleasers. So. For the most part, that's what we got. And then they get a little bit older, and they become teenagers, right? And so if you've got teenagers or you had teenagers, you know this. Now they come with questions, right? They start questioning those things that you tell them to do. Um, And then we get to have conversations about such things. Jenny and I say that, and our kids know this now, but we say that we brainwashed them, meaning uh, we led them to believe they were making the decisions. You know, we gave them options and said, you know, Here's the things that, that you, you could do. And anyway, so we gave them options. We had conversations, and they eventually saw the light. Uh, but then your kids get older, and they move out of the house. And then you're limited, really, in terms of what you can uh, tell them, what you should expect of them. Um, we hope that what we've taught them sticks, for the most part, and they make good decisions or whatever. But what we're really left with as an parent of kids who've, who've left the nest, so to speak, is uh, prayer and begging sometimes, you know. Um, so that's what we've got. So here, if we see in these last verses of Galatians, we see Paul making an impassioned plea. He's begging this church in, in Galatia, these churches. He's no longer present with them. They're, they're no longer under his roof. And there's some separation. And they're being influenced by these nefarious religious folk. We'll call them that. Um, but, they, but just as we read the, these next few verses, listen to his plea that he's making to this church, these churches that he so dearly loves. He's talking about the religious things that they, as churches, have started picking up and started, started infesting their churches. So listen to this. We're going to be reading from Galatians 4, 10 through 12, and then 17 through 20. It says this, You're observing special days and months and seasons and years, and I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. It's not like a parent. Like, 
I've just done. I've wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. Those people, talking about the religious um, nefarious folk that we talked about, those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I'm with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Sounds like some discussions we've had on the phone with our college kids and a little older. But it wouldn't be too much of a stretch here to think that Paul is fearing losing these folks, losing these churches altogether. He's perplexed. These nefarious types, let's call them Judaizers, okay? Because that's what they were. These are Jews who've added a form of Christianity to their Judaism and who taught a combination of God's grace and human effort, a combo platter of grace and law. They're trying to woo away these new Gentile believers, by telling them things like this. That Jesus stuff is good, but that's not all that there is. Paul didn't tell you this, but you must embrace and adhere to the law like we do in order to find favor with God. Or something like, you didn't really think that grace thing was it, did you? Or God gave us his law for a reason, and we must obey it in order for the Jesus thing to have any meaning. And that includes dietary requirements, observations of the Jewish holy days, and oh, this thing called circumcision. Yeah, that, that's a bummer. You've got to do that too, or you aren't in the club. And they must have been quite convincing because these Gentile believers were, were buying it. I mean, they were. The problem, as we've been discussing uh, and Paul was writing, is that this form of religion was no, no longer Christianity. This was a huge shift in doctrine. Doctrine is a belief or a system of beliefs that, uh, that's accepted as authoritative. And what the Judaizers were instilling fell outside of the doctrine of Christianity. Take grace off the plate, and you don't have Christianity. In a lot of ways, I look, it looks a lot like both Christianity and Judaism, because that's what it is. But as Brandon and Jason have pointed out in the previous weeks, turning back to those religious duties makes light and disavows the work of Christ on the cross and his resurrection. And I want to really hone in on one phrase uh, that really jumped off the page at me um, and got me thinking and, and really studying because it contains a lot. If you're like me, when we read it, hopefully it jumped off the page you, it, with, for you as well. And it says this, Paul wrote, Become like me, for I became like you. For us, this seems like a bold statement, a statement that Paul had, you know, it, it's not that he was saying, hey, look at me, I'm so great. It's this. Um, it's this. He's saying, listen, guys, I know the law, and the law leaves us lacking. It merely exposes our need for a Savior. And once I met Jesus, he was that Savior. And he completed the law for me and for us. Let me beg of you, cast off the bondage of Judaism, just as I have done, just as I gave up its privileges to place myself on level with you. Paul knew that the bondage of law, even the strict adherence to the law, left you knowing the limits and restrictions the law created. But Paul is saying, become like me because he became like them. 
1 Corinthians, he kind of says the same thing. He says this, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that, so that by all possible means I might save some. See, Paul wasn't bound by the law anymore as he lived as a Gentile. Paul knew both bondage and freedom. And he knew where, he, where the law lacked, Jesus picked up. Become as I am, he says, use the same Christian freedom that I have. For I am as you are. I am as you are. I put no stock in my pure Jewish descent. I claim no privilege because I was circumcised on the eighth day. And I did not count myself holier than you because I belonged to the strictest of all sects, sects, the Pharisees. I stripped myself of all this and became a Gentile among Gentiles. I became one of you. Question for us today and the question for these, these folks in their day was, would we rather live in freedom or would we rather live in bondage? He's saying, you guys, Jesus came and freed us from the law and you knew that. I modeled that for you. Yet you're saddling yourself with a law you were never meant to be under. You didn't live by the law previously, but now that you have the gospel and these Jewish believers are telling you that you must live by the law, you pick that up too. Wasn't the grace, the gospel of grace good enough for you? I promise you that this new way of grace is so much better and it's enough. I can just imagine him saying, for crying out loud, guys, we're sons and daughters. We're, we're heirs of the king, and we were never meant to be in bondage. So this is as real for us today as it was in Paul's time. We carry our own religious baggage into our expressions of church and into our relationships with Jesus. Many of us feel like that we have seen analogies of attaining certain levels of Christ-likeness. We strive to please God. And Jason taught us a few weeks ago out of Galatians 2 that God simply can't love us anymore. He already does. He loves us completely. That's why he sent his son for us. So Jesus plus anything is no longer the gospel. We need to lay that down. It's a dangerous game. About 16 years ago, I went on a mission trip to the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. And I met a man there who was a missionary who was raising up uh, pastors and local leaders to head churches and planting churches. And, and so far, in his years of being there, he had he had raised up hundreds of pastors and planted as many churches. And I asked him what the biggest struggle that he had was with those, those pastors and those churches. And the number one thing uh, was pastors not leaving behind their previous pagan ideologies and their other religious practices. And an example he gave, gave was of a pastor in a church that he loved very much and was doing good for a while but for whatever reason decided to bring back the practice of holy vomiting. Previously in their culture, to, in order to cure sickness or cleanse oneself from evil spirits, the pagan priests would urge vomiting as an act of worship to appease whatever god, lowercase g, had stricken them. And this pastor and his group had begun to revive this act as part of their Christian practice. My friend said that it was one of the churches he, has, he had to close down because it had gotten out of hand. And what this pastor was teaching and the practice of adding to the gospel was no longer the gospel. Jesus plus anything is no longer the gospel. Jesus came to free us from the law, but also came to free us from religion. Both the law and religion are binding. 
The gospel of grace is freedom. Luke 4.18 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Galatians 5, which we're going to probably see in the next week or so, is this. says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Do we desire freedom, or do we desire bondage? Today, we, we hear all sorts of voices that say, You cannot be saved unless blank. You're not good enough to be a Christian. You must change blank about yourself in order to earn merit with God. You're an outsider unless you fill in the blank. God cannot love you the way that you are. They may not be these exact words, but you know what I'm saying. Friends, let me say this. Those voices are chatter from the religious. Whether it's inside your head or someone vocalizes this to you, it's a spirit of bondage and not freedom. Jason and I were talking about this this week, and he said this. He said, just because something is hard doesn't make it redemptive. Christ's ultimate goal with us, his plan when he went to the cross to bear the burden of sin was our redemption, buying us back from the high price of sin that we have zero ability to pay. We simply can't do enough good things or religious things or to free ourselves. It's all in Jesus. It's all grace. What, we, what, we, what do we call someone who has no way of purchasing themselves away from the master? It's a slave. And without the grace of God, without Christ's atoning work and death on the cross, we're all slaves. There's nothing else. Just because that's so good, just because something's hard doesn't make it redemptive. We have folks right here at A&C who hear these voices, and I've heard these voices. Whether, whether they're from well-meaning Christians or whether they're from uh, parents or whether they're from maybe a, a former uh, youth minister or past, you know, pastor that you had growing up or something like that, we learn these things, and these voices play loud and clear in our head. You're hopelessly broken. You are less than. You cannot be who you are. Your sin is too much. Your addiction, your past failure, you're not welcome unless blank. You're not like us. These voices are condemning and accusatory. And when spoken enough, we begin to believe these things about ourselves and of Jesus. Make no mistake, though, Jesus spreads a very wide table. And all are welcome, every single one of us. This was the problem with the Judaizers. They said these things often enough for the new Galatian believers to start believing them. This was, only, this was the only voice they were hearing in their head. So Paul put in his letter to remind them, you accepted Jesus' grace, and that's all there is. That's enough for you and me both. Don't fall for this. You were slaves to sin, and then you were redeemed and free, and now you're in bondage again, just a different kind of bondage. Bondage wrapped in a religious package is still bondage. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. We don't have to live up to people's expectations. We don't have to clean ourselves up to earn favor with God. We don't have to do certain things before God will love us. He loves us right now. The Judaizers believed that living by grace and in freedom meant to live a lawless existence and therefore a degenerate life. But we know that living in freedom and in grace need not result in a life riddled with sin because we've been freed of the bondage that the law brings. And the fruit of the Spirit is open to us as we pursue holiness. Freedom and peace in Jesus brings love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Certainly, there is restraint. 
There's a responsibility, and our lives should reflect the hope that we have in Jesus. But we are no longer slaves. There have always been, been those who balk at the idea that God's salvation being offered freely to those who believe. They reason that such a huge gift of forgiveness by such a holy God must cost something. There must be some sort of payment required from us. And then we thank God for his grace, but we somehow think that he expects us to earn that grace. In other words, there must be something we can do to pay off the debt that we owe to God. There must be a catch. There isn't. There isn't, and we just can't. Yet we still see in the church today, and it makes many, takes many forms, but it looks like legalism, and it looks like bondage. Romans eleven six says this, But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. This was Paul's fear for the church that he loved. Living as slaves instead of sons. Where they were once slaves to sin, they became free and then enslaved, them, enslaved themselves again to religion, taking one yoke for another. Makes no sense. Become like me, for I became like you. We can trust Paul, what he's saying here. He laid aside the, the yoke of law and religion for freedom in Christ. Maybe for you today, you've been hearing these voices and you need to let them go. Maybe God's been extending his grace to you, but you feel unworthy, less than, outside, not welcome, but you find yourself here today anyway. Jesus wants you to pull up a chair at the table. There's a place setting with your name on it. You need to take him up on his offer of grace, this unmerited favor, and sit with him. Just rest. Just rest. Those voices can be so overwhelming. But let me assure you, the voices are not at the table of Jesus. Why would we choose to be a slave when we could be sons and daughters? Let's pray.